Hello friends and welcome to the podcast where we believe that the word of God is able to give wisdom that leads to salvation which is in Christ Jesus that it is profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training my aim is to help Christ followers be adequately equipped for every good work through biblical literacy and because that is a lifetime commitment grab a pen a book and your bible because we're going to be here for a while Hello friends and welcome back to yet another installment of the For A While podcast. I'm so happy to have you listening along once again. Um, I wasn't able to upload last week because of a few family commitments, but we are back this week and are picking up where we left off, but moving on to verses 14 to 19 in the book of Genesis. And they read as follows. Genesis 1 verses 14 to 19. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Cosmic geography explains how people at different points in history understood the shape and structure of the world around them. When God spoke to Israel, he communicated using categories that would have made sense in their cultural setting and understanding of how the world worked. Our cosmic geography is completely different from that of the audience of Genesis, and has been developed over thousands of years with the aid of much technological advancements. It is common knowledge to us that the planet we live on is a globe. We know that our planet revolves around the sun, and that the moon revolves around the earth, and also that the stars that form the constellations are far away suns. And our cultural understanding of how the world works shapes how we observe it. Israel, as well as their neighboring nations, had a worldview that they held on to just as tightly as we hold on to ours. 
especially because their theology revolved around how they understood the world to work. No one could convince you that the earth is in fact square, and the original audience would look at you funny if you claimed that the sky was in fact not a solid barrier that held back water and formed the vault of the sky. One writer states, The ancient world had a cosmic geography that was just as intrinsic to their thinking, as fundamental to their worldview, just as influential to every aspect of their lives, and just as true, but differs from ours at every point. Variations existed from one ancient Near Eastern culture to another, but certain elements characterized them all. The Old Testament is a direct reflection of the world the audience lived in. And God did not seek to correct it, only reorient their theology. God, who is sovereign, all-knowing, and all-powerful, binds himself to finite human beings and their limitations. God who sustains all things has perfect knowledge of all things and all people at all times, their thoughts, their feelings, their motivations, uh, and yet isn't afraid to make himself small for our sake. Humans could obviously never accumulate enough wisdom to communicate with God on his level, he is far more infinite than we could ever grasp on this side of eternity, far more magnificent than we could ever imagine, but in his humility, bends down to talk, walk, and eat with us. There is a song by Elevation Worship that says, I will look back and see that you are faithful. I look ahead believing that you are able, and I will look up to tell you that I need you. I think about that song when I read the creation account, and about God's commitment to having us see things, and most importantly, Him well, and in a way that sets us free and allows us to be truly human. God wanted to be the worldview through which they interacted with their surroundings. Behind Israel was Egypt. Their iconography represented the gods that they believed stood in for the physical elements. For instance, Nut, goddess of the sky. They believed that she was the sky or the firmament itself and that the stars were actually carved onto her body. All depictions of her showed her arched over the earth, with stars emblazoned onto her naked body like tattoos. She was also believed to be the travel route of the sun and the moon gods. Creation myths also existed in many other parts of the world. 
For example, in Japan, it was believed that Izanagi, one of the offsprings of the Lord of the Middle Heaven, it is believed that once earth had been created, that this god splashed water into his left and right eye and from them made the goddess of the sun and the moon god respectively. And after they had been created, said to them, rule over the plains that each of them had been created for. However, in the Genesis account, what God makes sure to do is give the sun, moon, and the stars very neutral names, which emptied them of the more personal traits they had in other cultures. He calls them the greater light and the lesser light. And the stars are almost mentioned as almost like an afterthought. As it says in Genesis, he also made the stars. The author intentionally removes the attention from the light and puts it on God. What we learn about God is that it was he who put the greater light and the lesser light in their places. That he created the stars as well. We also learn that it was God who gave them a purpose. And that purpose included separating day from night, giving light on the earth, and serving as signs to mark days, years, and sacred times, such as Passover that were celebrated annually at specific times. These celestial lights were given a purpose that would serve mankind, not the other way round. Their purpose and limitations given as far as would make them useful to or good for mankind and for God's purposes. The sun and moon govern the day and the night cycles for the good of the world. They marked seasons, days, years, and sacred times for the good of mankind. The sun, moon, and stars are not divine in any way, but are created features in a good world. Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was the one who made it all, not the Babylonian sun god Shamash. And because of that, it is all to Yahweh that we owe. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 to 11 says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. He has made everything beautiful in its time. 
He, uh, he has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. The question to ask ourselves is whether we will trust our time and our seasons into the hands of the God who created time itself and stands outside of it. Psalm 31 proclaims, My times are in your hands. And when we say this, we often hope this means only good things. But Yahweh is not a halfway there kind of God. He wants it all. When the psalmist writes, my times are in your hands, he means every second, every breath, and every action. The gift of knowing the God who positioned and purposed the sun, moon, and stars personally and deeply is the greatest gift of all. Yahweh not only reorients Israel's theology, which sets them free from the slavery of idolatry, but also gives them the gift of himself in revealing these truths. To know God as a good creator and sustainer is the best defense anyone can have because that means that whatever season we're in or going into or out of, we can always confidently trust in him. Let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, the Bible says. My times are in your hands, says the psalmist. There is often a temptation to say that we give the Lord our all with an unspoken caveat. Often we will say, I surrender all in the hopes that God has only good things in store and good by our own measure. So we give him a half-hearted commitment instead of an open hand or instead of an open handed my times are in your hands and a confident, not my will, but yours. God does not make mistakes. And so my seasons and days and years have been ordered by the hands of a compassionate God who says of himself, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Seasons change, as Ecclesiastes 3 says, and so will the nature of our times. However, the God in whose hands we commit our spirits does not. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. The God who is the firmest foundation 
and whose grasp of us is firm and secure is a God we can confidently leave our times, our days, and our years with. We can put our lives in the ever-capable hands of Yahweh because he promises in Romans 8.28 that in all things he works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. And so that means that we need not fear tomorrow or worry about our well-being because God is not mean, God is not unkind, and God will not sin against you. And so when we sing the songs, I surrender all to you, I give my all to you, I pray that we can say it confidently, not because we have all the details are figured out, not because we know exactly what tomorrow holds, but because we know that our lives, that our times, our future, our hopes and dreams are safe in the hands, in the arms of our everlasting Father who does not, um, who does not sleep, a God whose gaze, um, never shifts from us, a God who never forgets our names. Um, our times are safe in his hands, our seasons, our days, our years are safe in his hands. Um, the, the good times and the bad times, we have the promise, a promise from him that he's working all of it out for our good. All right, my friends, um, thank you so much for joining me again this week. I hope that this is encouraging to you. Um, and I hope that you have a good rest of the week. And I will be, yeah, I'll be seeing you next week as we wrap up, almost wrap up our journey through Genesis 1. Until next time, my friends. God bless.